praise the Lord. It's uh, prayer and healing school. Uh, we just got done praying for many that we know that need healing. Uh, so if uh, you uh, know somebody that needs healing or you need healing yourself, don't hesitate. For those that are online, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, you can either reach us through our website or through, um, wow, that sounded country, or <laughs> through, uh, you can just email us at dhm uh, main at gmail.com, and we'll definitely add you to our prayer list, and we know that we'll see the healing power of God work in your life. Uh, we started some weeks ago, uh, I think it's been, I think we did spent 15 weeks, I believe it is, in the Gospels looking at all of the healings that took place um, in Jesus' ministry, uh, in the three and a half years that he was uh, in ministry on the earth under the power and influence of the Holy Ghost. And uh, we, so we learned a lot. Uh, we, could, we could honestly get anybody saved just off of the works of Jesus. But that's not all that the Bible has to say on the book, on healing. Um, some people teach that healing was done away. Uh, when uh, the disciple, when the when the twelve original disciples went home, the twelve original apostles, uh, when they stepped over into glory, that healing went away, um, and that's not true. Uh, because I want you to go to, we're going to talk about the book of Acts, but real quick, let's turn over to the book of Ephesians. I want you to see something, it's just by the unction of the Holy Ghost. Let's go over to the book of Ephesians real quick. I'll tell you where we're going when we get when I get there. Not is it Ephesians? Yes, yeah, so the book of Ephesians, chapter four. Ephesians, chapter four, uh, starting in verse eight. Ephesians four, verse eight. See, I'm going to use this to prove to you that healing has not gone away today. So, Ephesians four, verse eight. Let's look here. All right, it says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that, that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heaven that he might fulfill all things. So right here, uh, he's, he, uh, the writer is letting us know, Paul is letting us know, that uh, Jesus, before he ascended on high into heaven, he first descended into hell on our behalf. Um, why is that important? Because at the cross, all sin, which sin opens the door to sickness, and all sickness, which brings death, was laid upon the body of Christ, and Christ actually took the penalty of sickness and disease and the grave, and he went to hell on our behalf. So he kind of makes a side note here, but look at verse 8. It says, Wherefore he saith when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. That's where he uh, ministered to those in Abraham's bosom and gave gifts unto men. What are the gifts? Well, to find out what the gifts are, you have to go on to read verse 11. So let's read verse 11 to find out what the gifts are. And he gave some gift, or, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Keep going. For the perfecting of the saints, 
for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Keep going. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay. So, the gifts that Jesus gave is he gave uh, people, he, gave, he anointed certain people to be, a pro, to be apostles, to be prophets, to be evangelists, to be pastors, and to be teachers. All of those offices, Jesus gave all of those offices when he ascended on high at the beginning of the book of Acts. And those offices, look at what he says. He says those offices are going to remain for the perfecting or the maturing of the saints for the work of the, so, that the, so that the saints could do the work of the ministry for the edifying, the building up of Christ until we all come into the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a mature or perfect man unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Has that occurred yet? That has not occurred yet. No. The body of the, the, the church universal has yet to come into an agreement. Most um, local body churches have yet to come into agreement. Most local body churches have yet come into maturity in Christ. In fact, most churches are still are still preaching the sincere milk of the word. They're still preaching uh, salvation. They're not even really preaching much past that because most of the body of Christ is not yet able to receive it. So this is so if the body has not come into perfection or into maturity, are the offices going to go away? No. no. So the offices are still here. Well, were those offices in the book of Acts? Absolutely. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. And let's see where these offices were instituted into play. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach. So so treatise is just a letter. Right. So here, so Luke, the Dr. Luke, the disciple Luke, the Apostle Luke, is the one that wrote the book of Acts. Uh, The book of Acts, really, its full title is supposed to be the Acts of the New Testament Church. Is the New Testament Church still doing Acts or works today? Yes. Absolutely. So technically, the book of Acts is still being written and recorded Today, it's just not in our Bible. Could you imagine? It's been nearly 2,000 years since Jesus walked the earth and since he ascended. So can you imagine how thick our Bible would be if it had to record all the acts of healings, all the miracles, all the salvations, all the works that the church has done for 2,000 years? But wouldn't it be nice to have all that evidence? Mayhem. Uh, that would be a really big book to read. We have a hard time just reading the 66 books that we do have. Uh, so, so God, in his infinite wisdom, he said, uh, let's get the beginning. Let's get how the church first started out. Let's get how the church first looked. Let's get, let's get a snapshot of the church in her prime for, for the rest of, uh, for the rest of all of creation to look back on and to um, push toward becoming like this. 
And so um, our goal is to become a Bible uh, New Testament church. Well, there's some amazing things that happen in the Bible, in, in the uh, book of Acts. Now, when you read the book of Acts, it sounds like a lot of these things happen like boom, 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 like popcorn going off, bam, 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 miracle. But really, the book of Acts spans a period of 18 plus years, 18 plus years. Um, so uh, there's a lot of time in there where they're just where they're coming in just like we come in and they're sitting and they're hearing the good word and they're hearing and they're building faith and they're building faith and then miracles are taking place. So the book of Acts does not it's not like a popcorn machine where it's like miracle miracle healing healing miracle healing translate it's not like that. I mean, it's like not not like a, a microwave popcorn. Bag. No, no, it's not like that. Um, these things are progressive. They take some time. Uh, so we do know that Jesus was crucified at Passover, right? Remember he had, remember he had the Passover dinner um, the night before with his disciples because he was the lamb being slain uh, for all of humanity. So he was actually being crucified the same time the uh, Passover lambs were being crucified uh, or being um Saying, uh, being, yeah, crucified, basically, uh, being sacrificed. The same time the, the Passover lambs were being sacrificed in the temple, at the same time Jesus was being sacrificed on the cross. So Jesus couldn't have the Passover meal with his disciples the day of Passover. He actually had to have it the day before. Now, in Jewish culture, uh, they have multiple feasts. We talked about that this morning, that um, when the Bible says a Jewish feast, it doesn't mean the Jews gathered to eat, although sometimes eating was involved. Most of the time, they were actually fasting, a lot of times. What a Jewish feast or a Jewish festival was, is that was a holy, um, uh, con that was a holy time set aside for them to have fellowship with God. And that's what the Passover was, is that was the holiday that they remembered. They took time out to fellowship with God to, put, to stay in remembrance of the deliverance out of Egypt. Uh, and they do this on the 14th month of Nisan uh, every year. So, uh, but then 50 days later, 50 days after, Paso after uh, Passover, they have another feast. And it's called the Feast of Pentecost. So I want you to keep that in mind. Uh, let's read here in Acts chapter 1. I want you to see what's happening here. All right, verse 2. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, if you, if you blink, you just missed a healing. Did you know that? If you blinked, you just missed a healing. Do you know that when Jesus came out of the grave, the saints of old also came out of the grave? That was one of the many infallible proofs. Jesus continued his work after he came out of the grave. Many of the infallible proofs that he did, what were the infallible proofs that he did while he was on the earth? Healing. He healed the blind. 
he he cured the lepers. He caused the blame the the lame to 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 walk. He caused the dumb to speak. He continued to do healings. So from for, from the time that he so he came out of the tomb. He took his blood. He applied it to the mercy seat of God. Then he came back to the earth. And he walked on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights doing healings, infallible proofs that nobody could deny. I imagine that there were probably more that, uh, that were raised from the dead in those 40 days. How much do you know? If you're dead and in the grave and Jesus calls, speaks to you and you come to life, that's an infallible proof and that's a divine healing an infallible proof and a divine healing. Now, how many days did he do this from the time of his resurrection? Forty. This is very important. He was buried at Passover. He was in the grave for three days and three nights. He ascended onto high. He applied his, his blood to the mercy seat. Then he came back and he showed himself alive, and he did works for 40 days. But, Pastor, you said it's 50 days to Passover. I know. Let's keep reading. All right. So, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Ooh, man, if you missed this morning's service, you need to get back on there. You need to get back online and go look at it. We talked about the need for the Holy Ghost. We talked about how you need the Holy Ghost to uh, be like Jesus. You need the Holy Ghost to help you pray. You need the Holy Ghost to get you over uh, in life. You need the Holy Ghost. Uh, so why did Jesus send the Holy Ghost? Because you need the Holy Ghost. And look at what he said. He said this. He said, but go and wait for the promise of the Father. We read, in, we read in John 14 this morning how Jesus promised to send the Comforter. What's the promise of the Father? The Holy Ghost. He said, and he said, you heard me. Well, yeah, they, the uh, disciples recorded it in the Gospels. He said, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized, dipped, dunked, saturated in the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. He said, in other words, it's only going to take a few days. There's many people that have tarried and waited for the Holy Ghost for months and even years, but they didn't even wait months or years. What day, how many days was he walking on the earth? Forty. And right before he ascended, he said, go to Jerusalem and wait. Right? right? So we got 40 days. Now, for the sake of time, let's jump down to verse 7. We're going to skip one verse. That's all right. Because <laughs> if we talk about it, I'm going to have to preach all on right. it. So we're just going to skip it. <laughs> and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. We're going to talk about that later. But Another you, service. But you, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea Listen. and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now you can go. <laughs> Listen. 
Why are we talking about the Holy Ghost? Because when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, when you get flooded with the Holy Ghost, the anointing and power of God flows in you. Look at what he said. He said, you shall receive power. That's mountain-moving power. What can this power remove? This power can make sickness go. Amen. How much you know sickness is a mountain? Yeah, it can make Satan go. The name of Jesus makes Satan go. But this is mountain-moving power and sickness. If you're dealing with cancer, it's unbelievable to me how many new people every week we pray for for cancer. But you, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you can, all of a sudden, you've got a power, you've got an ability, you've got an anointing in you that can force that cancer out from you. You, you have an ability and a power to go lay hands on people and command the power of God to go in them. And that power, when it passes from you into them, can eradicate all cancer. Well, is that true? Yes. I have laid hands on one, two, Three people that were absolutely eat up with cancer to the, to the point that they had a death sentence. The doctors sent them home and said, go home and die. You'll be dead within a week to two weeks. And God sent us by the unction of the Holy Ghost, by the leading of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit said, listen, you've got to have the unction. You have to have the unction. You've got to be prayed up. You've got to be prayed up in the Holy Ghost. You've got to be prayed up. You've got to know what's in you. You've got to be sensitive to the Spirit because God knows who can receive the healing power of God. And so you go. And so he said go. And so we went. And when we went, I was like, Lord, I really hope that you show up because this is going to look bad if you don't. But I went, and I was obedient, and I prayed, and the power of God shot through me and shot through them. In fact, one person, well, did you feel it? With one person, yes. With the other person, I didn't feel a thing. In fact, while I was speaking to them by the Holy Ghost, I about three times I looked at my mom and whispered to her, are they dead? Is he dead? I think he's dead. And then he'd move or huff or something. Oh, no, he's still alive. Just keep preaching. And then we walked out of the house, didn't feel a thing. It was deader than dead in that house, if you asked me. And I looked at Mom, and, I, and she looked at me, and I said, you think he'll still be alive by the time we get to the end of the driveway? I mean, dead, dead cancer is what it looked like. But what was it, a week later we got a report? We got a report a week later that the man that was right there at death eat up with absolute, I mean, absolutely eaten up with cancer, that he sat there because the Lord had me deal with him about some unforgiveness in his life. And, and uh, he apparently went to his church a week later and said, I had some unforgiveness in my life, but I've chosen to forgive these people. And it was shown to me this week that if my church, that I could come to my church, I could come to the elders of my church, y'all could anoint me with oil. Went to a Baptist church, said, if y'all anoint me with oil and pray for me because I've chosen to forgive, God will heal me of this cancer. And that man, as far as I know, is still alive today. Amen. But you've got to have the Holy Ghost. That's what this power is for. The Holy Ghost power is not for us to just sit at home and be entertained by the Holy Ghost. No, the Holy Ghost power is so that we can go out like Jesus and heal the sick. Heal the sick, which means at some point, young men, you're going to have to step out 
And you're going to have to lay your hands on people. Now, lay your hands on them appropriately. You're going to have to lay hands on some people. You're going to have to pray for them. And you're going to have to believe that God's going to heal them through your, through your prayers. With the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Ghost leads, I will pop you in the head. But only as the Holy Ghost leads. Amen. Glory to God. So, he said, go and get it. Now, jump over to verse 14. Ooh, all right. Jump over to verse 14. Come on. Let's see. Let's see who obeyed. There were over 500 people. Listen, when Jesus ascended on high, there were... There was a great, it actually said there was a great multitude in the other scriptures. That means that there were 500 to several thousand people that heard him say, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. But look at how many people went. All right, verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Uh-oh, look out who went. The women, Mary Magdalene, Mary, his mother, the women went. Listen, there were some women that went, and there were some men that went. This nonsense about, well, Jesus will only use a man. Hello? Mary and Mary and the other women were in the upper room. Hello? Who was the first person Jesus revealed himself to? Mary and Mary and the other Mary and the other women. And what did he tell him to do? He said, go proclaim that I'm alive. Amen. All right. Verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. Now, this is an important statement because typically in the Bible, typically when they counted the people, they only counted the men because of culture. But this time, it said the number of people. So the men and the women together were only about 120. So out of the multitude that watched him go up into the clouds, only 120 obeyed. Isn't that sad? Yes. Isn't that sad? Only about 120 obeyed. Oh, but my goodness. Verse 16. Now, now we're going to save some time. Oh. Now they go on and they deal with some stuff because Judas Iscariot killed himself. They had to get a new 12th and all of that. So they handled all of that. They got that taken care of. And now they're, at, they're there in Jerusalem. They're, they're in the upper room. And let's pick up in chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now stop. How many days after Passover is Pentecost? Nope. 50. 50, okay. 50. Good try. You were listening. 50. So Jesus died at the crucifixion. He was in the ground for three days and three nights. Then he walked the earth for 40 days. So now we're 43 days in from feast to feast that are 50 days apart. So how many days are left? Like seven. Seven days. One, one week. One week. How long did they have to tarry for the Holy Ghost? One week. Potentially only one week. Well, probably a little bit less because they had to travel to Jerusalem, wherever they were at. Right. So they had to get from where he ascended into Jerusalem, into the upper room. They had to, get, they had to take care of getting the other disciple, and they began to pray on what day? When the day of Pentecost? 
What day did they be? What day were they praying? Well, they, on the day of Pentecost. Well, and before. And a little bit before. So they they've been, they've only been praying and seeking and believing for the Holy Ghost for less than a week, hmm. a week or less. I always thought it was longer. <laughs> it's amazing what you find out when you actually put the scriptures together. Yep. All right. So they're in the upper. So they're all there. They're in the upper room. The hundred and twenty of them. The day of Pentecost shows up. So now. So here's the other thing that we know about Pentecost. At the day of Pentecost, this is when all of the Jews from all of the surrounding areas come into Jerusalem for the feast, which means that there were Jews from all of the surrounding countries, and they all spoke different languages. And the city is full of people. So here the 120 are. They're all in the upper room. They're all praying for the promise of the Holy Ghost. And look at what happens. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now that cloven tongues, that's not like a weird cow hoof or anything like that. It's just a flame. Huh? It's just a flame. It's just a flame. It literally means a portion of fire, a flame of fire. So what happened was, was they're all in there, they're all praying, they're all believing for the Holy Ghost. Jesus said you'd be baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. Right? And And fire. And so they're all in there praying, and there comes the sound. It doesn't say that there was a wind. It says that there was a sound of wind. There was the sound of rushing wind. Have you ever been in the house, and you could hear the wind howling, but you couldn't feel the wind because you were in the house? Well, that's what was happening. They could hear this rush of wind, although there was no wind. But what there was is above every person's head, it looked like there was a little fire dancing around above their heads can you imagine that can you imagine being in the church man oh man come jesus let us see that i can't wait for the day that disciples house is filled and i look out upon the congregation and everybody's got dancing flames above their head what i really am looking forward that would to be amazing what i'm really looking forward to is when the glory shows up so thick that the fire trucks come pulling up in the in the in the parking lot going, the church is on fire. We're all in here going, what are you talking about? We're having a good time in God. The only fire here is Holy Ghost fire. That Amen. was commonplace. Listen to me. That was commonplace back when people actually took the time to seek and to worship God. The only reason we don't have that today is because we are too busy on our phones. We're too busy on social media. We're too busy playing, watching football sporting events. We're too busy being entertained by homosexuals and drag queens. We're too busy being entertained by the filth of the world to get on our face and praise and pray and seek the Lord so that we can make room for his anointing to come in. We've got to get to the place. When we get to the place and the day is coming, listen to me, young people. You're involved in this. If you haven't heard it from the Holy Ghost, you need to. There's going to come a day when we're going to have prayer service seven days a week. But I'm not going to be the one leading it seven days a week. Pastor Mike's not going to be the one leading it seven days a week. It might be Richard's got Monday. Zach's got Tuesday. Derek's got Wednesday. Jackie's got Thursday. Miss Ann's got Friday. 
Who knows? But I'm telling you, until we get to the place where we're seeking God with all that we have, we're not going to see this. But this is God's design. It's not yet passed away. Amen. Come on. I thought this is healing school. Listen, how are you going to get people divinely healed? You've got to get the power of the Holy Ghost to flow. Amen. Come on. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was nosed about abroad, nosed nosed abroad, (laughs) The multitude came together and were confounded, because every that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? All right, let's start counting them. If oh. he says them, we'll count them. Parinthians. That's one. And Medes. Two. And Elamites. Three. And the dwellers in Mesopotamia. Four. And in Judea. Five. And Cassio Cappadocia, that sounds right. Six. And Pontus. Seven. And Asia. Eight. Pygeria. Nine. And Pamphylia. Ten. And Egypt. Eleven. And in the parts of Libya. Twelve. About Cyrene, that's, that's one, I think. Yeah. Okay, uh, but there's multiple areas, so you could say uh, it's, it's, 12 plus. Well, it says, and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene. All right, so I'm so thinking 12. that's one. And strangers of Rome. Oh, my goodness. We, don't, we just lost count right there. <laughs> but Ju- we don't know how many strangers of Rome there are. Come on. Right? All the different people that are in Rome. Jews and proselytes. I mean, 15 were named, but how much do you know the last three oh, could we're not be any number yet. of people? We're not, oh, done, we're not yet. done yet? Okay, so we're at 15. Cretes. 16. Arabians. 17. Uh, I think that's it. Okay. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. There, were seven, there was a minimum of 17 different dialects that these people spoke that were in the streets. Minimum. It was actually more than that because when it talks about the strangers of Rome and the Jews, it was talking about all of the, all of the, and the proselytes. It was talking about be, all of the surrounding areas. That could be, I mean, because the Roman Empire stretched for Huge. a lot of countries. So you're talking 20, 25, maybe 30 or 35 different languages. And yet, every single one of these people heard all 120 people in the upper room speaking in their own personal uh, native tongue. So what does this look like? It looks like we're all in here praying in the Holy Ghost. He sounds different. Zach sounds different. Derek sounds different. We all sound different. And we go out into the streets where there's 20, 25 people that speak 20, 25 different languages. And even though we're just speaking in our own, in our, in our, in our, uh, in our prayer language, they all heard... Each one of us speaking in their personal language. This is a sign and a wonder. Amen. This is public tongues. This is a sign and a wonder. Oh, but my goodness, it gets better than this. Let's keep going. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? 
Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. Yeah, last time I got drunk, I was able to speak a foreign language. When was that? When did that happen for you? Ever? No. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. That's his spirit-spoken words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose seeing it is but the third hour of the day. It's only about 9 o'clock in the morning. Now I want you to think about <laughs> think about the Holy Ghost. Because I'm talking about healing. Well, Pastor, I thought this has to do with healing. It does. Because I want you to think about Peter. I want you to remember who Peter was. Peter was the one that was quick to get out of the boat, and then he began to sink. Peter was the one that when they came to take Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, cut off the guard's ear. And Jesus actually had to grab Peter and said, Peter, now is not the time. So he got rebuked by Jesus when Jesus was being taken. Remember, Jesus, Peter said, Jesus, I'll go and I'll die at the cross with you. And, and Jesus said, Peter, you don't know what you're asking. You're going to deny me three times before the cock even crows. So... And, G- and Peter just can't even imagine this because he loves Jesus so much. But then, he's, but then he sees how they take Jesus out of the garden. And they see how they treat Jesus in, um, in the jewelry. And they see him punching him. And they see him spit. And they see them, he, he sees them spitting on Jesus. And they see them pulling out the hair of his beard. And they see him, uh, they, he begins to see what's happening to Jesus. And, he, and, and, and somebody turns around and says, oh, Look, there's Peter. He's one of those Jesus people. And Jesus said, no. And Peter said, no, 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 that's not me. And he backs out of that area. And, and he kind of goes out to, the court, out to the court area. And they go, oh, there's Peter. And he denied Jesus again. And then he gets over there by the fire. And he's trying to stand back, but he's trying to listen. He's trying to pay attention. And then they come and they accuse Peter again. And now not only does Peter deny Jesus, but he begins to cuss and curse. Because he's so full of fear. And so now the cock crows and Jesus looks at him and the cock crows and Peter just realizes that he just denied Jesus three times. Do you think that on the day of Pentecost, Peter felt like he should have been the one to stand up? Maybe. I tend to think that Peter was probably a lot like me, like, man, I just denied Jesus three times. Who am I to stand up and preach to these people? Who am I? These people, these people, there's probably people there that saw him actually deny Christ. There's probably people there that, that probably were going to look at him and say, uh, why are you preaching at us? Did you yourself not actually deny Christ? But when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you, when you surrender to the Holy Ghost, the power of God comes on you so supernaturally that you all of a sudden have a newfound boldness. You have a newfound confidence in Christ, and you're able to stand up, and you're able to preach. And bold, it says that Peter stood up boldly and began to say. And what Peter preaches is not a small message. Let's read Peter's message. All right. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, 
and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. You're good. I got it. You keep reading. I'm trying to take you to where it was. Okay. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He started, he started preaching. And he told them this. He said, listen. He said, what you're seeing, what you're experiencing, what you're watching is the Holy Ghost. This is what Joel, the Old Testament prophet, prophesied. This is what Joel said. He said God was going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters were going to prophesy. He said your young men were going to have visions and your old men were going to have dreams. He said that there would be signs and wonders and smoke and vapor. And then he said... And all that call on the name of the Lord shall be sozo. Oh, that sweet and wonderful word in the Greek, sozo. We read it in the King James, and we read the word saved. We read it, and we see the word, and what we see is our ticket getting punched to heaven. But no, what Paul, what Peter said was, if you will call on the name of the Lord Jesus. You will be made completely whole. Spirit, soul, physically, mentally, emotionally, every sickness, every disease will be removed from you. We don't understand that when we get born again, that sickness no longer has a right to our body. Sickness no longer has a right to touch us and to inflict us. Why? Because Jesus paid the price. So right here in Acts chapter 2, verse 21, we see the first actual ability to get healed out of the New Testament church. Was it by the hand of Jesus? No. I mean, it is through the Holy Ghost, but it wasn't Jesus doing the healing. Peter got up and Peter said, if you'll call on his name, you will be healed. That's what he said. If you'll call on his name, you'll be saved. You'll be healed. You'll be made whole. Glory to God. Oh, my goodness. Now, let's keep going. All right. Let's find out how many got healed. Let's find out how many got saved. Verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death. Oh my goodness, what are the pains of death? What causes death to be painful? Sickness. When God raised Jesus from the dead... He loosened the pains of sickness, death, and the grave. Come on. Because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. 
Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. This was in the plan from the beginning. David, way back there in the Old Testament, David, out of, he didn't even have the Holy Ghost, just out of a desire to know God, David prophesied, David, he, had the, he had the Holy Ghost lay on him because he was the king, and, and under that time, he said, my God is not going to leave my Lord, my Savior, my Master to, to reap corruption in the pits of hell. He said, no. He said, he's not going to leave my soul in hell. He was prophesying as though uh, he, was, he was speaking as though uh, Jesus was speaking. Glory to God. And look at this. This is New Testament church, and they're preaching Jesus out of the Old Testament. Anybody tells you to throw your Old Testament away, you don't need the Old Testament, tell them to get away from you. The New Testament cannot be preached without the Old Testament. All right, go on. Yes, right. come on. Verse twenty-eight: Thou hast made known made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. <laughs> come on, come on. How much you know? David said, "You will make me full of joy with thy countenance." With the Holy Ghost comes joy. Come on, men and brethren. Let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David. That he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would rise up, or raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Glory to God. Preaching. Look at this. He's there. Peter is preaching Christ to them out of the Old Testament. How cool is this? He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath, raised, hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth his or this which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Glory to God. Now, now we're, we're, we're looking to see how many people got saved. Come on. Now, when they heard this, they were picked, or they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Holy then God. Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they gladly received his word. Uh, uh, then they that, w that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. About 3,000 souls added 
at the preaching on the day of Pentecost. So once you think about this, at Passover, after Jesus uh, was dead, buried, and raised again, uh, and he did many works for 40 days and 40 nights, only 120 went to the upper room. Only 120 out of the multitude that heard him to say, go get the Holy Ghost, only 120 were obedient. But when the 120 that were obedient went and they prayed for the Holy Ghost, they only had to wait for the Holy Ghost just a matter of seven days or less because we don't know how long it took him to get to the upper room and get settled. But for, for So seven days or less, they, they prayed and believed God for the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is now poured out. Once the, how much do you know? If you take a pitcher of water or a pitcher of milk and you pour it out, do you have to keep pouring it out or has it been poured out? It's already been poured out. The Holy Spirit's already been poured out. So we don't have to wait for the Holy Ghost. We can receive the Holy Ghost now. Why? Because he's already been poured out. But in that day, they had to wait a few days. And they received the Holy Ghost. And Peter gets up. And Peter begins to tell them about Jesus. And he tells them about Jesus in the language that they can understand because he's talking to Jews because this is in Jerusalem at the time of Pentecost and all of the Jews were there to meet with God. So when you have somebody that's, with, that's in front of you, talk to them about Jesus in a manner that they can understand it. If they're not Jewish, don't talk to them about the Jewish law. That's not going to help them. Talk to them about the loving compassion of God. Talk to them about how when Jesus, if they've received Jesus as the Lord and Savior, then they've also received Jesus as healer. That when he saved them, he made them perfectly well and perfectly whole. Talk to them on their level. That's what Peter did. And when Peter talked to them on their level with the help and the unction of the Holy Ghost, 3,000 people were saved. 3,000 people were made whole. I guarantee you the presence of God was so thick that divine, though the Bible doesn't say it, I guarantee you that there were lame people getting up off of cots. I guarantee you that people were being set free of demon oppression and different things. In order for 3,000 people to come to Christ, there had to be miracles taking place so a lot of times we read through this and we don't really think about what was occurring uh let's go down and read just a little bit more all right uh, okay 42 and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. What kind of signs and wonders do you think they were doing? Do you think they were creating demons to pop out of closets and scare people? No. The signs and the wonders that they were doing is they were getting people miraculously healed by the preaching of the word under the unction and the power of the Holy Ghost. How much do you know? You can... You get somebody that's missing their knuckle to get their knuckle to grow back in their hand, and that's going to get people to pay attention. Amen. That's going to get people to pay attention. You can look at his hand and tell that there had been trauma on his hand, but his knuckle's perfectly there. It's perfectly formed. It's beautiful. And I, I just look at his hand, and I just go, wow. 
I was sitting there thinking the other day, I thought, man, do I have a picture of your hand before the knuckle grew in? I don't know that I do. I, ho- I hope I do somewhere, maybe. Pretty sure not. But, uh, yeah, like, oh, here, let me take a picture of your missing knuckle. Let's, let's see what that looks like. Right? But how much do you know? You, those around you, Derek, you've seen his hand. Is the knuckle there? Did the knuckle used to be gone? And the knuckle used to be gone. He showed it to Brother Steve. He said, Steve, check this out. That knuckle's there. Steve looked at him and said, I know. You showed it to me just a week ago, and it wasn't there. And now it's there. How much you know? That's a sign, a wonder, and a miracle. Come on. Yeah, my finger's almost perfectly straight. I mean, it's almost. It's almost perfectly straight. It's almost. It's getting there. Every day it gets better and better. I could actually, believe it or not, this is so cool. So my mom was a, my mom was a hairdresser, and so I picked up learning how to cut my hair. And so when I did this to my finger, I couldn't cut my own bangs anymore. It's very frustrating. I could actually cut my own bangs now. Yeah. And I can actually does. close off the hole. That's amazing to me. It's a progressive thing, but it's taking place. Thank God. Glory to God. Listen. You got to how you got to know the Holy Ghost. Let's go look at another healing. We got time to go All look right. at another one. So the first actual account of a healing is is in chapter three. That's right. So let's skip down just a little bit right here. Oh, real quick, look at this. It said, "And fear came upon every soul." Why do you think people became fearful? Listen, I have another cousin that he got over into all this third world crazy wacky doodle. I don't think we're going to have time. He, he, he got into, listen to me, he got into alternative medicine and black magic medicine for healing. Now, is there a truth that there's healing and power available in that and through that? Yes, but it's at the hands of devils and demons. It comes with a hook. It comes with a hook. And my other uncle would say this to the family. That he'd say, don't get around cousin so-and-so because he'll put the voodoo on you. In other words, when people operate in the supernatural, there's a fear that comes on them because there's a power that flows. Well, what was happening with the apostles, with, with, the, with the disciples, with the 120, was there was a power of the Holy Ghost operating to the point that they said, um, there, there, there's, a, there's an authority and a power that operates through them uh, that you don't want to mess with because it's a higher authority and a higher power. Okay? So, so uh, just, just pay attention to that. There's a higher authority and a higher power, and that's what they were looking at. And Peter and John operated in this higher power and this higher authority. Let's look at chapter 3. All right, chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Okay, so this is about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So here this man, he has been crippled from his mother's womb, He's never walked. The way, that he ha- the way that he provides for his family is somebody in the family carries him to the gate of the temple, and he sits at the temple, and he begs for, for, uh, 
He begs for food. He begs for money. He begs for supplies. This is his lifestyle. How much do you know in Jerusalem, the, the, under Jewish law, the, the, the law is that you go, to the temp, you go to temple every day and you pray at temple every day because it's, because it's at the temple that the presence of God's at, under Old Testament. Now, we're in the New Testament, but they haven't figured this out yet. Okay? And so he's there, and they're still following Jewish custom. They're still following Jewish law. They still do this today, um, although there's not a need to because uh, the veil was ripped. But they still go. And so Peter and John were going to temple. Uh, it says, but they went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. Does it say that they went to fulfill the law of prayer? Does it say that? No, it says that they went up at the hour of prayer. Why did they go up at the hour of prayer? Because they knew they'd have an audience to minister to. They went knowing that they were going to minister. I believe Peter and John went walking to the temple saying, Okay, God, show us who has a heart to receive. Okay, God, lead us to somebody that has an ear to hear and an eye to see. They were on, they, Peter and John were looking for somebody to receive from Jesus. Amen. They were looking. They were on the lookout. If you want to be used by God to get people healed, you need to start saying, Father God, lead me to somebody that's got a heart to receive. Lead me to somebody that's seeking you for healing. Lead me to where where somebody needs to, to receive from you, where they've got a heart to receive. That's what Peter and John were doing. All right. Verse 3. Who seeing Peter and John go about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. So they're going, and they're looking, and they're listening. They're listening to the Holy Ghost. And I'll, Now, they've walked past this man. Now, let's be honest. If you know there's that one beggar up on the corner at Walmart, and you know you're going to Walmart, don't you know you get in the car, and you look straight ahead, and you don't turn that way? Don't you know you purposely fix your eyes away from them? Well, how much do you know? Peter and John, this man's been at that gate begging every day of his life. How much do you know? Peter and John wasn't surprised to see him. How much do you know? Peter and John would normally look over him or look past him and go into the temple. But this day, because they were full of the Holy Ghost, this day, because they were listening for the Holy Ghost, and they were looking to do and God's work. And they were work. looking to do the will of God. They were looking to get somebody healed. They were looking, and all of a sudden, they were walking in, and where their eyes would be straight ahead, and they wouldn't even look, all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost said, look at that man. And both of them at the same time looked, Peter and John both at the same time, looked at that crippled man and locked eyes on that crippled man. Why? Because they were looking to get somebody healed, and that crippled man was looking to receive something. Come on, let's keep going. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Look at that, look at that. He said, he gave, when Peter and John looked at him, he looked at them with expectancy. This crippled man was looking with expectancy. If you need healing from God, you need to look with God with expectancy that God is going to meet your need. Come on. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now look at what Peter and John said something amazing. Now this is a beggar man. 
And there, this is a beggar. And typically, what's a beggar want? Money. Money, silver and gold. Now, people will use this scripture to say, see, Peter and John were poor. Peter and John were not poor. Have you ever traveled with no money? Not very well, right? But Peter and John, how much do you know? They've just been, they've just been traveling with Jesus for three and a half years. They've just been traveling with Jesus. How could they afford to travel? Obviously, they had money. They were still traveling. But let me ask you something. Do you always carry cash on you? No. No. Well, Peter and John, they weren't going to worship. They weren't going to bring a tithe and an offering. They were going to get somebody to receive Jesus. So they, that day, for whatever reason, they didn't pack the money bag. Is all this means. They said, they, uh, they said uh, gold and sil- silver and gold we don't have. In other words, I don't have any money on me. But what I do have. Ever have somebody come give you a sob story? And you look at them and you go, I'm sorry, I don't have anything for you. From this day forward, don't ever do that. From this day forward, you need to say, well, I don't have money per se, but I do have the name of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you about the one that can meet your needs. Let me tell you about the one that can meet your supply. Let me pray for you that your supply is met. And when the supply is met, know that it was Jesus that supplied it. It's an opportunity to witness about the glory of God. So in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. I want you to notice there was no strength in his ankle bones until... Well, he hadn't walked a day in his life. Until there was no strength until they reached down and they lifted him up. How much you know when they let down... To, when they reached down to lifting him up, he could have just planted his butt right there on that hard ground and said, I don't have any strength, I can't do it. But there was something that went off in this man that caused him that when they reached out, he reached out. When they lifted up, he pushed up. And in that moment, that was the faith acting. In that moment, strength entered him. Strength entered him. Yep. Verse 8. And he, leaping up, stood and walked. And entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them. The porch that is called Solomon's. Er, Glory to God. Greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. 
and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Look at this. Peter and John went to the temple expecting God to give them an opportunity to win somebody to the Lord. They went to the temple expecting an opportunity to witness of Christ. They went to the temple expecting to preach Christ to the Jews that needed him so much. And God said, oh, you want to preach to somebody? Well, I'll help you get their attention. See that lame man right there? Hey, Peter. Hey, John. This is the conversation that he was having with the Holy Ghost. Peter and John were going, and they're talking, and they're praying, and they're saying, God, just give us an opportunity. God, give us an opportunity. Father, we're listening to the Holy Ghost. We got the Holy Ghost on the inside. Give us an opportunity. And the Holy Ghost said, Peter, John, you want an opportunity to preach? And they said, yes, Lord, we want an opportunity. You want me to get you an audience, says the Holy Ghost? And Peter and John said, yes, Lord, we want an audience. And they said, he said, all right. He said, go on into the temple. So they said, go into the temple, Lord. And they probably thought, Lord, there's Sadducees and Pharisees and the, and the Jewry's all there. Lord, I don't know. That's the good place to go. Oh, son, it'll be, uh, sons, it'll be all right. Go ahead and go. And so they started to go. And they said, the Lord said that he was going to give us an audience. The Lord said he was going to give us an audience. And then all of a sudden, that, uh, that, that lame man that they were trying to ignore, that lame man that they were trying to watch over, all of a sudden the Holy Ghost said, look upon that man. On the inside, the leading of the Holy Ghost said, look upon that man. And both of them at the same time went, Psh! And they looked right at that, at that crippled man. And that crippled man looked at them with an, expect, an expectation. Why did that crippled man look at John and look at Peter with an expectation that allowed him to get healed? Because Peter and John carried themselves differently. Peter and John didn't go into the temple full of fear and unbelief. Peter and John walked with a Holy Ghost strut. Peter and John walked in with the anointing of God on them. Peter and John walked in with some boldness. And, they, and he was looking. Now, here's what I think. This, this temple that they were in, Jesus had been in this temple teaching in times past. I think that this man, when Jesus came and was preaching, I think that this man just looked at Jesus as just another preacher guy. Or another prophet. Or just another prophet guy. Just another Pharisee, perhaps. Just another rabbi, perhaps. But then he found out through, through because he's sitting there and he's hearing people talk day in and day out. And I believe he was sitting there and he was hearing about Jesus. And I believe that this man began realized that when Jesus was crucified that he missed his opportunity. But I also believe that this man said, but there were some that were with Jesus. And I believe he was sitting there and he was saying, I believe he said to the Father God, Father, just send me one. Just send me one of those people that walked with Jesus. Just give me one more chance, Lord. Just give me one more opportunity, Lord. And I believe that as he was begging alms, I believe he looked across that crowd, and I believe he recognized Peter and John. And I believe down in his heart he said, Lord, this is my opportunity. Lord, 
This is my chance. Lord, he might have even said something like this. Lord, I know that you can, but if you will heal me, then turn Peter and John's eyes, turn those men's eyes to me. And that way I'll know that you want me healed. You know, sometimes we're not supposed to give talismans, and I understand that. But sometimes you want something so desperately, you just need a little bit of a confirmation. I believe that he was sitting there. I believe he was looking for the disciples to come. And I believe that Peter and John happened to just be the two that came that day that he was looking. It wasn't that it was Peter. It wasn't, that, it wasn't the fact that it was Peter. It wasn't the fact that it was John. It could have been Matthew and Luke. It could have been um, Bartholomew, the one that they had just made a disciple. It could have been, it could have been Mary and Mary. Jesus would have used, the Father God would have used any of them. It just happened to be Peter and John that day. But that man looked at Peter and John with an expectation that God was going to do something for him. And that's what you have to have to get to receive your healing is you need to have an expectation. How much do you think, and I hear it in my spirit, I hear somebody saying, but I don't have faith There's the, to get healed like that man i believe in this moment the gift of faith went into operation i believe that in that moment god allowed that crippled man to tap into his own faith so into god's own faith so that that crippled man could receive his divine healing but why did god allow him to use that gift of faith he allowed him to use that gift of faith because that man had an expectation he had an expectation that God could and God would. And so if you need healing, you need to build your expectation. Don't just sit there and say, wow, that was a good, uh, that's a good message, Pastor Robbie, Pastor Mike. That's a good message. I feel emotional, so I'm going to receive. No, you need to get into the Word, and you need to put your eyes on Scriptures, and you need, to, you need to meditate on them, and you need to find out that God wants you healed. You need to get in there and find out that God will heal you. You need to get in the Scriptures and find out that God is not a respecter of persons, that if he did it for the crippled man at the gate, he'll do it for you. If he did it for Pastor Mike, he'll do it for me. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. If you're dealing with cancer, if he healed the three people that we prayed for with cancer that were on death's door, he'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. But you've got to have an expectation, and then you've got to receive. That man, when Peter and John fastened, you know, when they, when they fastened eyes on each other, and they said, uh, silver and gold, I have none, that man could have said, well, that's it. You don't have anything for me. Yep. You don't have a thing for me. No, he kept looking. Why? Because he didn't need silver and gold. He needed healing. We got to stop looking, oh, Holy Ghost. You don't need the government to supply you financially. You need Jesus to heal you supernaturally. That's what you need. Well, if I get healed supernaturally, the government's going to take my money. Well, if you get healed supernaturally, Jesus will take care of you financially. Yes, you'll have to get off your couch. Yes, you'll have to do something. But won't it feel good to have some worth and some value? Jesus is not going to leave you. He's not going to heal you and leave you begging for bread. Let him heal you. Let him heal you. 
Come on. I got one right here on the front row. He's, he's been letting God heal him. He's been letting God restore him. He's been letting God build him up and take him through some things. And guess what? He's better off financially now than he ever was on government assistance. Come on. Am I right? Amen. Absolutely. For those of you that couldn't hear him online, absolutely. With a big, huge smile on his face. Is he working? Yeah, he's working. But he's got self-worth, and he's got more money now than he did when he was working on, living on the government. Amen. There's so many people that refuse to let Jesus save, heal them because, oh, my God, the government's going to take my money. Well, dear Lord, maybe they will and maybe they won't. I've been told multiple times, and I've seen it for myself a couple of times, uh, once you get on that disability, they don't like to take you off of it. They'll say, you can go to them and say, look, I'm healthy, I'm whole, I'm working, I got all this. They go, it's okay, you've already been stamped. Here's some more money. Well, praise the Lord, if that's how that wants to work, let it work that way. But don't deny being healed simply because of money. Come on. How much, you know, this man at the gate. Wow, I didn't know I was going here. How much did you know this man at the gate, when they reached down and said, come on, let us heal you, he probably for a split second went, wait. This is going to affect my money. Who's going to give me money when they all see me running in the temple? No, right? I don't think he did either. Right? But and how much do you know the devil dropped that thought in his mind? How much do you know? This is Because now he can't beg anymore. Now he's got to go out and get a real job. Well, thank God that he can. Yeah, with no work experience. Come on. But it doesn't, it doesn't record in the scriptures anywhere that that man starved to death because Jesus healed him. It doesn't record that anywhere. Well, well, Jesus wouldn't say if that was what happened. Well, why would Jesus heal him just for him to starve to death? Come on now. Come on. Let God heal you. Yeah, come on. Let God heal you. He's not going to heal you and then let you starve. Nope. If he'll provide your healing, he'll provide other things. That's right. Come on. Holy Ghost, thank you, Jesus. I mean, the healing is a supernatural thing. Providing finances and a place to live and clothing, those, are, world, those are worldly things. Right. But how much you know, even Jesus can provide those things. Yes. Come on. Your Jesus is not poor. Your Father God's not poor. Listen to me. He pays the streets of heaven with, with not cheap, sorry, 12-carat gold. He paves the streets in heaven with pure, crystal-clear gold. If God has that kind of resources in heaven, do you think he's going to deny you resources on the earth? No. Absolutely not. Do what? That's right. Yep. He's going to pour a blessing out upon you that you will not be able to contain if you'll be a tither and a giver. Amen. He'll bless you even when you're not a tither and a giver. It just won't be as good as when you are a tither and a giver. If you'll be obedient to his word, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Well, I've preached, uh, we've preached some good things about healing. We've made it to Acts chapter 3. <laughs> hey. That's faster than we went through some of the other chapters. That is faster than we went through some other chapters. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we'll do our evening tithes and offerings. Thank you, Father. Come on, Penn. You're brand new. you got to write for me.
Those things don't work very well. Not the black ones. Yeah, you can use this one. This one works. Oh, yeah, this one does work. This is office, and this one works good. Come on, let's pray over the tithes and offerings. <laughs> oh, Lord, we thank you for uh, the word we've received today. We thank you that, that the healing power of God flows in us because we have the Holy Spirit. Lord, we just love you, and we thank you for this word. We, we will meditate on it throughout the week, and it will grow in our spirits, and it will bear fruit in our lives and the lives of those we come in contact with because we will lay our hands on those people, and we will, we will pray that they are healed in Jesus' name, and they will glory, be healed. Glory, glory, glory. Lord, glory. we just love thank you, and we thank you for your many blessings, and we thank you for all that you have given us. So we give unto your kingdom. We give with a generous heart because you gave unto us first. And we want to see your work done on earth as it is in heaven. So we give. And we give with a generous heart. And we give because we love you. Lord, please bless this offering. Thank for, you, so that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work Thank and your you, will in this earth. Thank Lord, you, please bless us so that we can be a bigger blessing to, to, everyone, you. to you and to everyone we come in contact with. In Jesus' mighty name. Thanks, Satan, Father. we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy, and you will leave this word intact. And you will not come to steal, kill, or destroy in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we thank you for all that you are and all that you're doing. Angels, go and cause an increase to come in Jesus' mighty name. Satan, take your hands off their money, release it, and let it go. Father, we thank amen. you that your word is always true. Your word is always working. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. You may serve the people. Father, we do thank you. We do glorify you. Oh, 